0: I was in my own way, but when it was really hard, I projected it outwards of like, no, 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 this is everybody else, you know, you guys have to fix your stuff. I'm I'm perfectly okay. Um and it wasn't until I made the decision to say I could no longer work in corporate America. It just wasn't my space. I didn't feel like I fit in. And it wasn't until I got into my coaching certification program where it was this aha moment. One of the first things they ever said to us was, you have a choice in how you think, in how you feel, and then what action you take based on those thoughts and emotions. And I was like, what? You mean to tell me I I don't have to believe this? And, and again, like logically I knew it, but emotionally I was so connected to where I was and who I was that I didn't know how to break the cycle. And it wasn't to hearing someone else say, you have a choice and you also have an opportunity to, to remedy and repurpose everything you've ever thought or felt up to this point to actually serve you, that's when I was like, oh, there's the start of the journey.
1: Welcome to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and we're on a mission to create a better world. It's a world where nothing outside of us needs to change, because when we do the inner work necessary to clean the lens of our mind, the outer world becomes better. As our meditation teacher says, everyone's trying to get rid of the mud puddle, but actually, if we look at where the mud is within ourselves, the outer puddle will be not so troubling anymore. When it comes to athletic performance, the mud in our mind is behind all those feelings that we are stuck or the doubt that we'll be unable to reach the next level. Guiding athletes to supersede the limitations of the mind is what Yogi Triathlete was founded on. Living a more vibrant life through a clear mind is synonymous with better performance, and as Beej and I continue to clean up our own inner mud, we have realized a better world inside and out." I'm so excited about our conversation today because our guest aligns with our core belief. To reach athletic potential, we must train our minds with the same, if not more, tenacity as we train our bodies. Lauren Ammon started swimming at age five and nearly two decades later retired after graduating college and swimming for a D1 school. She has an impressive single sport legacy for sure, but what truly piques our interest is that she walked away feeling she never reached her potential like she had more to give. This dissatisfaction led to a personal quest to figure out how to overcome the obstacle of her mind and the eventual creation of Performance Reimagined, where she supports elite student-athletes to train their minds and overcome the mental blocks that keep them from their potential. So... If you enjoy the ongoing and quite incessant theme of mind training on this podcast, settle in because I have a feeling another deep conversation is coming your way. Lauren, welcome to the show.
0: Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited. This I mean, to have met you two and to know you two now, goodness gracious. This is going to be great. <laughs> You
1: know, I think we've, you know, we have, man, we've interviewed a lot of people in 300 and something episodes and we talk about the mind and we've interviewed yogis and and all and mindset coaches and people who have created apps that are all doing amazing work in the world. But I think you're the first person, I really think you're the first person I've heard to speak those words. And I know it's like, it is a massive piece of the brand of Performance Reimagine that we have to train our minds like we train Our bodies, Um, and so when when did you realize that?
0: It was actually during a moment in the 2020 Olympics. So uh, I had had started my own coaching practice in 2020. (laughs) You know, the greatest time ever. Uh, I was really focused on leadership development and career transition because my background was in HR, and it actually didn't necessarily wasn't necessarily a bad thing in the pandemic, right? I mean, that was kind of what was happening, but. I spent about 18 months in that space and it was just one of those feelings and those moments of I'm a very intuitive person and it was just like, it's just not clicking. It's just not right for me. And um, I'm an avid watcher of the Olympics, particularly of swimming, uh, because that is my background and it's usually only on the stage every four years. And it was the night that Simone Biles removed herself from competition. So the way that the U.S. broadcast it, we knew that was coming, right? We heard about that in the morning, but swimming was being telecast live. So they were swimming in the morning, though we were watching it at night. So Simone Biles removed herself from competition and all kind of the hullabaloo that came to that. And just watching her face and her facial expressions on the telecast, it really really hit me. And then fast forward, I don't know, an hour later when Katie Ledecky won gold in the 1500 meter freestyle, but she didn't have a gold medal performance. She was about 20 seconds off of her world record. And so he had this moment of, I'm going to go down in the history books. This is amazing. This is monumental. I get the first gold, but I didn't arrive at the occasion. And again, this is all speculation on my part, right? I Unfortunately, I didn't get to talk to her, but that's what I was kind of feeling as a spectator And then Michael Phelps came on however long later in that telecast and said, you know, he is an advocate for mental well-being among athletes. And he said, competing at this level is really overwhelming. We just want someone to talk to. We just want someone who listens, who allows us to be vulnerable and doesn't want to fix us. And it was this profound aha moment of, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's what I struggled with as an athlete when I was growing up, right? I was told so many times, you're just in your own head. Get out of your own head. Y- yes, I, I, I know that. I don't know how to get out of my own head. I don't know how to be any other way. And so it was this aha moment of, I know what it's like to be in that situation. I've spent quite a number of years in, in my current life working on how to get out of my own head. What if I combine those two things with athletes? And go back to the world that I know, the world that I love, and see what kind of impact can be made in this space.
2: It's interesting. You're, how, how long were you a swimmer?
0: 17 years.
2: So 17 years, you're staring at a black line with yourself and your thoughts. And it took one moment watching a telecast to sort of enlighten you one step further to be like, oh, okay, we need, to, we need to connect these two. That's pretty powerful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's so funny, you know, people are like, well, didn't you get bored as a swimmer? And I was like, actually, not really. One, there's a lot. You got to count all the laps you're swimming. Uh, And two, you can get kind of lost in your thoughts, particularly in practice. And you just you, you just kind of work through things. And I and I don't know that I realized at the time that I was doing that or I was building that skill and where I had the biggest challenge Was I was a practice swimmer, right? You put me in a practice. I can do anything. I can hit any pace. I can hit the paces that I wanted to in a meet. The moment that I got to the meet, it was, I have to be perfect. I have to swim my best. I don't want to let down mom and dad. Now I always say that only because that was my self message. My parents didn't pressure me to do anything. They were, they were, and still are the most supportive parents on the planet. They're not athletic themselves. They can't swim. And so there was kind of a, this beautiful, natural, um, lack of relation in that respect so that they could be parents and supportive versus maybe former athletes and and trying to get into that world. Uh, but that is what always went through my head. It was like this perfectionist that couldn't do anything other than swim at her very best, regardless of where I was in the year. And I didn't know how to break that cycle. Yeah, and I think that that's,
1: that's mm-hmm. so prevalent. I mean, and, and we're kind of smiling and snickering over here because we we both experienced it. And I remember saying, like, if I go to another yoga class and someone tells me to let go and they don't tell me how, yeah. like, Someone's going down because it was making me so angry. I didn't know how, and I would I would pick up magazines that were like "find peace," and I was like, "Okay, this is it. Like this article, here we go. It's going to tell me." And it would always just like skirt around, and you'd hear the same surface stuff over and over and over and over again. And um, you know what I've learned over the years is that I had to go in had to go in. For me, the, the the main tool was meditation. I had to go in to learn uh, what where my mind was dwelling and then through that, notice those tendencies that were holding me back that were in judgment, limitation, and work with that. And of course, still working with that, still working mm-hmm. with that. When did you start to um, see that there was maybe a voice in your head or a limitation, however you want to describe it, your words, that was holding you back that wasn't actually you.
0: Well, I th- I noticed it when I was a swimmer, right? I, I mean, I, I retired from swimming literally with a thought in my head of, oh, you could have been so much more had you just been able to get out of your own head. But it wasn't yet conscious, if that makes sense, right? It was just one of those thoughts that was like, yes, I know that it's there, but I didn't know what to do with that. And I didn't know how to break the barrier. And then I spent... Oh gosh, maybe 15 years in HR and human resources. And again, it was one of those moments of like, I, I know I'm in my own way, right? In the heart of the matter, when it was like, when I was being as real with myself as I could possibly be, I knew I was in my own way. But when it was really hard, I projected it outwards of like, no, 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 no. This is everybody else. You know, you guys have to fix your stuff. I'm, I'm perfectly okay. Um, and it wasn't until I made the decision to say I can no longer work in corporate America. It just wasn't my space. I didn't feel like I fit in. And it wasn't until I got into my coaching certification program where it was this aha moment. One of the first things they ever said to us was, you have a choice in how you think in how you feel and then what action you take based on those thoughts and emotions. And I was like, what you mean to tell me? I, I don't have to believe this. And, and again, like logically I knew it, but emotionally I was so connected to where I was and who I was that I didn't know how to break the cycle. And it wasn't to hearing someone else say you have a choice and you also have an opportunity to, 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 remedy and repurpose everything you've ever thought or felt up to this point to actually serve you, that's when I was like, oh, there's the start of the journey.
1: Yes, I love how you said that. That's the start. Yeah.
2: So they gave you your power (laughs) back. They basically told you you had permission to, to not give it over to something outside of you or this belief system. That's empowering. And then I guess this takes it to the next step where you're like, well, okay. Now I have a choice. Now, do I better make the right choice, <laughs> right, or, deta- or be able to maybe sift and sort through the choices and understand that whatever choice you make, it it doesn't matter. It, the a- a result is actually happening for you. Was that the next realization, or yes, and yeah. it was
0: the the idea that you're right where you're supposed to be, and and really adopting the belief that. I couldn't be where I am today if I hadn't been through what I've been through and made the choices I've made up till now, right? All, every, every stop on my roadmap has contributed to what I think, how my value systems, my beliefs, those sorts of things. And if I just take, I'm going to say this is a lot simpler. It's easier said than done. But if I take a step back and really dissect where those thoughts, where those values and those beliefs come from, I can then make the decision Does this work for me or does it not? And then I can make a different choice. You know, it it was becoming aware of those three elements of the thoughts I have lead to the emotions that I experience, lead to the actions I take. And if I don't necessarily like the actions or choices that I'm making, how do I kind of reverse engineer the process to figure out? What am I actually feeling or experiencing and what is the thought that's driving that and how do I make it different if I don't like it or it doesn't serve me?
1: The self there's so much in there. Um, the acceptance of where you are now, right? How can we move? We cannot move forward. We cannot excel. We cannot up-level to that, to that next best performance that we're so capable of if we are not able to one, be aware and look at where we are and then accept where we are, right? If we can't accept where we are, we don't have a solid foundation for stepping forward into the future. So what was that process like for you? First of all, how did you
0: begin to become aware? Great question.
1: Consciously Um, aware.
0: Yeah. So First and foremost, going back to the acceptance, that was probably one of the biggest uh, challenges simply because I grew up being hard on myself, right? You know, always like constantly striving, oh, you should have pushed harder. or Oh, had you just moved your arms faster or had a faster turn or had more kick, right? That was always my go-to of you didn't do, an, en- you did a, a lot, but you didn't do enough, right? And so acceptance was, was a big hurdle for me but once I got to the point of oh wait a minute had I never experienced what I've experienced thus far I wouldn't be where I am right so so having that acceptance moment and then this idea of becoming consciously aware of part of the the certification that I went through we did a lot of work putting language to thoughts and feelings and actions and like grouping them in a way that it was just bringing language to when you feel you're in conflict, right, the thought behind that is there is conflict somewhere in here. I have to win and you have to lose, right? That that thought process in terms of when you're feeling this competition. And that, I want to say, was like resonated with me most as a former athlete of, yes, I grew up in a world that if I won, you lost or vice versa. And in a sport like swimming, I'm not Michael Phelps or Katie Ledecky. I lost more than I won. Um, So it was a matter of, you know, gaining a little bit more awareness of that. Okay, so if I feel in conflict, what am I trying to win? And what am I trying to get this other person to lose and am I digging my heels in? Am I being resistant? Am I being combative? It was like trying to tie all of the thoughts and emotions and actions together. And we spent a lot of work really figuring out and giving language. And when I, when I got that language, it was, it, it was this light bulb of, oh. So when I'm feeling in conflict, somewhere deep-rooted, I'm trying to win something. I want them to lose. Therefore, I act in this certain way. Oh, well, how do we reverse engineer that? How do we make it a little bit differently? Or taking it to kind of more of an, uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum of, I feel really in flow right now. I feel like I could, you know, do something for days and days without effort, without really thinking about anything, with truly being connected and present to something. Oh, well, how did I get there? What was the thought process behind that? What was I experiencing emotionally that allowed me to be so present versus in contrast to being so in conflict with something? Uh, So that was the light bulb moment for me.
1: I love that you're also looking at like, what am I doing right? Like, where's a victory? I'm gonna lean into this feeling of joy. I'm gonna lean into this feeling of ease or flow that I'm having right now. You know, neuroscience has has shown us that the way that our brains have evolved, they react much more strongly to negativity than they do positive aspects. And so I would consider that in and of itself a mind training technique. And it's not about like, oh, everything's good and everybody wins because they don't and it's not. But if we, if if what we notice is a brain... Or mind or tendencies, behavioral patterns that are leaning far more towards the negative. There's an opportunity there to expand uh, neutrality in the least, um, and and perhaps that's even more powerful than than being positive, because it, it's got staying power. But that that in it of itself would be a technique to be aware of and employ when you realize that you're you're dwelling in the negative, which I. I Think we tend to do,
0: yeah. And that was the big push for me when I made the the pretty big transformation of I am gonna go try to do something on my own, build something on my own versus work in corporate America. I remember the moment of this isn't me. I I I feel so negative. I feel so stressed. I feel so combative. I feel hopeless and helpless and, you know, all this myriad of just negative emotion and I couldn't break it. I couldn't, I didn't know how to loosen it or, or whatever. And that was kind of the big catalyst for me of something ha- has to change or there has to be another way there, you know, there's gotta be a way for me to, to jumpstart a new pattern in my brain or repurpose what I fe- think and feel and it was almost like intuitively I knew what the solution was I just didn't know how to find it or where to go looking for it until one day I was so fed up it was like screw it and then you know I was I was interested in coaching you know being exposed to it in the human resources space and I just happened to find a program that when I went on their website it was like are you feeling like you're not showing up how you want you know do you feel like you're a little bit more negative than and I was like uh oh. Are, are you in my brain? Are you like what is going on? Where what is your sorcery, and how do I find it? Um, and that's how I, that's how I got into it.
2: <laughs> we kind of call that the, uh, in a way, the sucks enough moment. It's like it, like you know, it sucks, and then finally, it's like, oh, this really sucks. Like I really need to make some hard choices and hard decisions to move forward. When you started your own business, was was um, obviously there was doubt and fear, but were you? Were you battling with, um, you know, the things like, is this ever going to work? Will I ever have financial freedom? Will I be good enough? Like, are those common threat? Yeah, common threads.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, this is what we like about athletes: is they have that will and determination, and they have shown it in the pool, and you've shown it in other things. Now you need to show it in a realm that you pr- you're not familiar with.
0: Yes. And that's actually what I go back to all the time when I am struggling with something like doubt and fear, whether it's related to my business or whether it's related to my kids or, or, or you know, a friendship or when working with the the clients and athletes that we work with is how did I get through this when I was a swimmer, right? It's a a world that I know. It's a world that I can really tune into. And it was the space where I felt like, yes, I experienced doubt and fear, but I felt so empowered in that space. And I go, I frequently go back to a swim practice right so for anybody who's not familiar with a swim practice a swim practice of two and a half hours when I was swimming was broken up into different sets and we often didn't often almost 99.99 percent of the time had no idea what those sets were so you dive in you get your warm-up you'd finish the warm-up coach would say the set you do the set you know do the next set do the next set do the next set you didn't know what it was and you constantly had maybe two, maybe three minutes to get your mind right in the right space to say, okay, I have no other choice other, th- well, I have a choice to leave, which was never a choice for me, I never wanted to leave. Or I have a choice to figure out how the heck I'm gonna get through this really tough set in front of me. And it, it was a matter of, okay, you got you got 60 seconds. Okay, you got, you got 30 seconds, you've gotta figure this out. And it was almost like figuring it out as I went through the set, right? How I could pace myself, how I could do all these different things, And that's what I bring myself back to is that whenever I'm in that doubt and fear, it was like, okay, it's like a hard set. I didn't know it was coming and I have to figure out how to get through it and give the best that I can possibly can in this moment, even if I don't necessarily feel fully confident in doing it. And that's actually what we talk a lot about with with athletes is that like confidence is really driven by courage, right? The courage to take an action. And then once you take that action, you find that confidence. And so not only do we use that in the business with athletes, but I use it for myself every single day of, okay, I don't necessarily want to take this action or I don't know what action to take, but I'm going to find the courage by remembering, hey, you just kind of got to This works for me. I'm just saying this. You kind of got to dive in and figure out how to make it work. Well, fear is
1: always about what's going to happen next, right? Like you're trying yeah. to figure something out in 60 seconds about um, you know, this big set that's coming, but you can't figure it out because you're not in the experience yet. So, well, you were just reading this thing to me from Eckhart Tolle about how stress is, stress oh, is yeah. in that space between now and then. Right, between you being on the wall and then you being in the set in that sixty seconds, that's the stress that's the stress space, right? It can be the stress space or it can be the pause space where we're taking a pause and we're coming back into that moment. And and you described when you described that you would figure it out as you went, to me what you were talking about is present moment awareness that in that presence, you were figuring it out because you were in the experience and you were doing it. And when you're doing it and you're in the experience, there's nothing to fear because it's happening.
0: Yeah. And I wasn't conscious of that at 16 or 17 or 22 years old. It was just, it was my world. And again, that's where I go back to, especially with athletes. It's like, you know more than you give yourself credit for. You know how to do this more than you've become conscious of, because you're you're in a position to figure it out. You, you're in those moments. You've got to make snap decisions. You've got to tune into your body to say, "What is my body telling me right now? How do I make a shift to get it to work for me the way that I want?" Or my mind may be working against me right now. How do I make the shift? And that's what I often go back to with athletes, is to say, like going back to the practice athlete of like rooting them in that moment that you know how to figure this out. You're just not necessarily maybe conscious of it in this moment, so that's what we take them back and say, how do we kind of unravel this this mystery for you that you know but aren't yet aware of? But yes, it's all about being in the moment and, and, and being able to appreciate the moment for what it is and not be overly tied to what happens at the end.
2: <laughs> Judge it. Yeah. Okay. Yep, next yep.
0: subject:
1: <laughs> the result, Getting Attachment attached to the, the outcome. Result. Yeah. You want to take the lead on that? Yeah. Lowy we're not.
2: Beach. We're not gifted that outcome. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much work or 17 years in the pool. it Doesn't mean you're gifted this. You know, whatever second, hundred time. That's not what it's about. Although we do get wrapped up in that because it's mm-hmm. something tangible. We can actually feel that. Like we get a sense of it. Like you were mentioning in practice. Like you can. You hit the times. But we're not owed that when we get to the, the competition. We are not. We just need to show up, be as present as possible, and then, and this is where it all lies. It's like being detached from that outcome, but have care and, and earnest in your, your ability to potentially achieve that when it matters. So do you work with this, that discernment with your, with your athletes? Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I'm I'm very careful to just brush aside the, well, you know, detach yourself from the outcome, right? It's helping them under, like giving them the baseline that, yes, caring about the outcome is natural. It's understandable. You're an athlete. That's what the whole world is about, right? You know, the athletic world. You get, either get the gold medal, you win the trophy, or you don't, right? Right. So it's helping them understand. To, it's not to just say, oh, the outcome doesn't matter, but it's it's helping them appreciate exactly what you just said. You're not owed that instance. And that was one thing that I, I honestly wish someone had said that to me when I was 16 or 17 years old, because I would hope that I would have been like, oh, yeah, you know, you're right, because in my mind it was well i was able to accomplish it in practice so i better be able to accomplish it in a meet when it when my parents are watching when my team is watching when all is on the line and just be able to relieve myself from that internal pressure and to open myself up to what could possibly be because i also you know have started to kind of play with clients of that you know. Being able to set that goal or that specific time for yourself in, in the context of swimming, what if you're limiting yourself by saying, I wanna go this specific time? What if what if you were actually able to go a little faster than that time? What would it what would it feel like to set goals based on feeling and presence and, you know, getting them to open up and see a completely different world of what outcome, quote unquote, means and how they might be able to Shift themselves in the context of that word.
2: Well, it also it also expands. It's almost like you're reverse engineering too, because you're almost saying, "Let's not worry about let's let's have the goal. And let's you know, because we're athletes, we need to have goals. But right. but let's <laughs> let's work it as the more you're relaxed and, and maybe don't. K- I shouldn't say not care about it enough, but there's a sense of not caring. There's a—I know that's not the word I want to use—but a sense of not caring, and then you get there and you actually outperform whatever you thought was possible because you are feeling relaxed. It goes back to that feeling, like harbor that like uh, that lightness, that that n- yes. n- unnecessary pressure we, we put on ourselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and you brought up um, this great the idea of not caring right and and the use of that term and and I'm with you it's like sometimes I gotta find the words but that was a big aha moment for me as a parent right because oftentimes because we're working with student athletes you know we're we're, we we want to support their parents because oftentimes parents come to us and we're like I just don't I don't know how to support my athlete And it was a big aha moment for me as a parent when, before I started down this work and had these big aha moments of how to support athletes differently, I was talking to my own son. And this was before I started to do a lot of my inner work. And he said something about being really attached to the outcome. And I said something that was along the lines of, well, buddy, in 20 years, no one's going to remember, no one's going to care, including you. And the look on his face when I said that, I thought, oh, my gosh, what if someone had said that to me when I was 11 years old or 10 years old or however he was old at the time? It was my world. Like, had you told me no one would care? I'd be like, what, what? how is that possible so using moments like that even in my human moments of like how do i kind of translate this because in full transparency being a coach to other athletes and then being a parent to wildly different worlds <laughs> and you know being able to kind of bridge those 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 gaps but and that was one of those aha moments of okay it it's not that no one will care and it's not that you shouldn't care. It's more about how do we facilitate this idea that the outcome doesn't identify you. And, and I think those are some of the words that, you know, really that have come into play is that your your performance isn't your identity or your outcome isn't who you are. Your outcome is part of the process. It's, it's a data point that says I'm on track to get what I want. Maybe I'm a little off track. How do we kind of course correct in order to, you know, get closer to what it is we want or the goal that we're setting for ourselves?
1: Yeah, and so it's really like a it, like I think you use this word maybe beach is like this reconditioning, right? Like this, we we're reconditioning ourselves um, from being outcome oriented to being process oriented what are some tools? What are some techniques? What are some things that you've learned in your experience that you pass on to your athletes, um, your student athletes? And we have adult athletes that are like, yes, yes. What are the tools? What are the techniques? Um, like how do I come off a race and not feel disappointed because I didn't hit my goal? Or even we see people hitting their goal and they're still disappointed.
2: Not <laughs> enough. <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, it's not enough.
1: <laughs> so in the reconditioning, like it all makes sense. Like we're all shaking our heads going, yeah, this makes yeah. so much sense. Yeah, let's use our past to our advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. But the thing is, is that we've also got these feelings and these mm-hmm. emotions that come up that like mm-hmm. it's not easy to be like, oh, I'm just in the present moment when you're feeling angry or constricted. So what are some tools that you help with the help your athletes use, employ to help them recondition, like not just their brain, but like their entire mind, including their body, into a new way of competing?
0: Yeah. Well, a good example is I was working with a client. First and foremost, you know, we go back. I really root kind of our process in what Michael Phelps said of, we just want someone to talk to, we just want someone who listens, who allows us to be vulnerable and doesn't want to fix us. So it's creating that safe space with athletes of saying, you know, whatever you say here, one comes without judgment whatsoever. What you're experiencing is totally normal for you and what you're going through can be shift and shifted to work for you, right? It's, it's almost just allowing them, kind of going back to that process that I experienced of giving permission, one, to say that it's okay to go through what you're going through, and two, you're not alone. And oftentimes those kind of words in that space, you know, I can see the athlete's shoulders just go, oh. okay, here's an opportunity to kind of root through. But an example is, you know, really getting into the the emotions of what they're going through. So, you know, what we try to do is really kind of pinpoint the thought behind what's going on and the emotions tied to that. So an example is, you know, working with an athlete who the, the biggest um, negative driver is disappointment for her, right? This disappointment of, you know, she talked about her coaches and her parents and I said, is there anyone else that you're, that you're uh, worried about disappointing? And she took a pause and she said, myself, right? So what we try to do is really dig down deep into the thoughts and feelings, right? But that's working one-on-one, you know, being able to, to, to get really deep into it. But, you know, from a, um, from, a, from a practical point of view, oftentimes what we work on in very early um, Sessions, or, or, or if I'm having a conversation, I'll have parents come up to me and say, oh, my gosh, like, how, how, how do I help my kid? You know, they're in the middle of the game and a soccer game and she's all up in her head and she kicked the goal or she kicked the ball and it didn't go in the goal. And she's all up, you know, going, you know, she, she you, we can see her melting down from the stance. And this was actually a conversation that I had with uh, a little bit younger of an athlete uh, than I would normally talk to, but. I helped her to understand that in the moment, a way to kind of recondition and and shift is to get your brain to focus on a different sense, you know, interrupt what your brain is going through. And something as simple as, you know, taking your thumb and your forefinger and for two 90 seconds, two minutes with your eyes closed, rubbing your fingers together with such attention that you're, you're, you're solely focused on the ridges of your fingerprints and this may sound really simple and really kind of silly, but what it does is it gets your brain to take a moment and a break from that that worry, that anxiety, that fear, that doubt and say, oh, well, there's something over here that I can really focus on. Another simple thing is, if, you, if, if fingertips doesn't work, is closing your eyes 90 seconds, two minutes. You can even set a timer on your watch or your clock or whatever. And taking a deep breath and really just listening to everything around you and labeling what's happening right it could be if you're out of swimming i'll I'll use that as like oh there's a whistle the official blew the whistle or oh okay i hear my teammate talking right you just you're trying to get your brain to focus on something outside of yourself and then another trick right to recondition is this idea back to what you were saying is, you know, being conditioned for negativity, right? It's really easy for us to go to that negative space and say, oh my God, I'm terrible. Or, you know, how could I, how could I even make a shot like that? Oh, I knew better. Is for every one negative thought you have to repurpose it with a positive or optimistic thought of, hmm, there's an opportunity for me to, to work on my skill tomorrow in practice, or that may not have been, as good as I wanted to, but I always have an opportunity to improve myself tomorrow. Or, uh, you know, I had the courage to get up and make that play. And I feel great that I was able to actually step up when I was fearful, something like that, you know, just getting them to do some simple practical things. And that's when we, you know, kind of work on that level. And then in more in depth coaching to support them and going a little bit deeper and understanding what what is at the heart of what is driving maybe some of their fear
2: and anxiety. Do do you those are all great. I think they're all tangible things that people can take into. I, I love the finger thing because I hadn't thought about that, but it totally makes sense. Just sifting to something physical, and the, i was just doing that and feeling my my actual fingerprint I've never I haven't done that. I can't remember in how many how many years. Um, so that was a good tactic. Do you work with any um, breathing um, practices? Maybe like pre warm up and. Um, we find, especially with swimming, uh, you know, our, folk, our big focus of us is triathlon, so mm-hmm. swim, bike, run. But the swimming always tends to be the most anxious element of the day. Yet it's it's the one that we we have the fewest touches in. You know, if somebody's swimming a lot, it's like three times a week, and maybe it's an hour, and it's in a pool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are there any breathing exercises that you work with, or or? or uh really believe in
0: yeah so uh, uh, you were saying before in terms of meditation uh, you know oftentimes it really just is taking like five minutes and um, what we've worked on with athletes is this concept of you know we all have that kind of inner eye or that third eye so even just taking kind of five minutes to imagine like where you're you know kind of an inch behind your forehead of where your third eye or your inner eye may be and taking five minutes and breathing in, taking three deep breaths to start and then getting into your normal pattern, setting a five minute timer and really just focusing on that inch behind your forehead or where that inner eye is and just honing in on that. Uh, I'm also a big believer, it it, it works for me, and and I want to say that it may not work for everybody, but I always think of it as this golden light and that light the way I associate that light with my energy with my calm with my particular peace and so I've added kind of that light behind my third eye and for five minutes you know being able to just root myself in my own light and in my own energy to to find that calm I'm gonna speculate here as a swimmer i would think that swimming is probably the the uh, what's the word am looking for the one that causes most anxiety in a triathlon because most people aren't used to swimming, right? It, it's like getting in water, particularly you know depending on what the triath where the triathlete is held, what the body of water is. It's a lake. You can't see anything. You know, there's could be trampled. There's a lot of people in the water, right? And I think there's just kind of that anxiety of well, there's nothing really below me. I'm kind of out here, right? I can't like stop and take a break. I've got to, you know, I just got to keep going. I mean, I can, but I'm going to be treading water and using more energy that I'd be using if I was just swimming, right? Um, I I don't know. You guys tell me. I've never done a triathlete in my life, um, but that's what I would think probably brings kind of a lot of that anxiety. And so actually, spoiler alert, we're going to work on actually putting things together that would be... Um, before during and after, after competitions that are specific breath work for athletes mm. to kind of get them in the space but um that's what brought that up for me but yeah that's what I would think would bring in a lot of anxiety understandably so
2: <laughs> what's well, the unknown it's it's simply the unknown we don't so put, put you know we're adults so you were you were fortunate to swim when you were young but I would say the majority of people don't swim uh in in my opinion uh, this is my experience and what i've been working with with athletes and you go put yourself in this scenario of an unfamiliar body of fluid and you're asked to breathe a different way than you normally breathe when you run like run, we all mm-hmm. we default to running because it's what we walk or run it's what we're comfortable with so yeah i think it's just the it's the unknown and but if, if we can find calm and that's the thread we want to pull on is that calm kind of like the calm, when you would go to race day, it sounds like race day for you was a challenge. And I'm I'm sure you've thought back to be like, if I just had this tool to be calm on the blocks.
0: (laughs) I just knew how to rub my fingers together. It would have been phenomenal. Uh, (laughs) But you're right. It is the, it is the unknown. And what's really, you know, put me in a body of water like a lake or an ocean where I can't see the bottom, I become very anxious and worried and fearful because I'm used to being able to see that black line. I know where I am. I know where everything is in terms of my surrounding. Um, but, yeah, you hit the nail on the head, and, and it goes back to the performance. It's like that anxiety comes because we don't know what's on the other side. We have, as you said before, and I love these words, we are not owed that, that at the end. And that's where I think, and, and I think back to my experiences, that's, that was the hardest part is that I knew I wasn't owed it, but I, I felt that I was. And if I didn't get it, then I tied that to me and my worth. And and I know, I wasn't conscious of that at the time either, but that's what it really came down to is that it was all tied to my worth, and if I didn't perform at this level, who was I or you know, how quote unquote good or worthy was I. Does that still show up in your life in any way? Oh, for
1: sure. And how for do sure. you work with it when it show when it <laughs> rears its little head, the little <laughs> dinosaur <laughs> ancient part of you?
0: Yeah. I uh well I go back to the thought of my my worth was established long ago and I just have the opportunity to continue to build on that. How my outcomes aren't tied to who I am as a human being. They are a a a progress marker, for lack of a better term, to tell me, you know, how I'm doing. Um but I also continue to remind myself that thought about my outcome and my worth is deep, deep rooted, right? There's one thing that I often talk about with, whether it's I work with athletes or, you know, I, I have had the opportunity to work with adults too, of the the deeper the thought, the more pronounced the emotions, the longer it's going to take to unravel or recondition that thought. And so for me, that's probably one of my deepest rooted because of being an athlete, uh, you know, like how my, my medal counts and all my ribbons and all my things, right. That shows how great I am. Um, but you know, I really take, I really pause and say, okay, what am I tying my worth to right now? Like I, I will sit and have conversations with myself and kind of play both sides of the equation or I write it out. That's how, how I, uh, tend to process things. Um, but you know, I really take a pause and say, okay, you're tying your worth to something here. What are you tying it to? Or what makes this outcome so special for you? Um, and once I start asking myself those questions, it's like, oh, there it is. I'm trying to prove something to the world.
1: I was watching this documentary recently about Tony Hawk. On the, I was on the plane. And... Um, One of his buddies, I think it was his roommate, like, or just his friend came over one day and he's like, This is classic Tony Hawk. And he's taken out the garbage and out of, you know, sticking out of the garbage can are all these trophies and everything. And that was just him. He never had a trophy room because he would just, he had this ability to be so focused on, like, okay, that's done. What's next? That's done. What's next? That's done. What's next? And, you know, it was just, And I do believe that there are athletes out there. Most of us get tied into it, and it's hard to let go. Um, It's hard to let go when we win. It's hard to let go when we totally screw up. What have you learned about letting go, the process of letting go in your work, in your own work or work with athletes?
0: Well, you hit the nail on the head, and that's actually one thing that we really focused on with athletes is the aftermath, quote-unquote, of our performance. Um, and, and really creating the opportunity that athletes are really good at resilience. Right? They're, they're, they're really good at getting knocked out and, and moving on and, and moving forward. And I was actually I had the opportunity to speak with a gold medalist swimmer, and we were talking, and he said something that stuck with me in terms of athletes can be overdeveloped. In the area of resilience of getting knocked down, getting back up and almost ignoring the experience or just saying, hey, that wasn't whatever it's behind me. I don't have to worry about it. And that's often what we talk a lot about with with athletes is you are allowed to feel disappointment or joy or happiness, right, depending on however your performance went when those aren't addressed or at least fully processed or swept under the rug to say, whatever, I can deal with that another day or I'm not going to deal with it at all. It's like you are, the, the analogy I use is like, you're throwing just little bits of gasoline on a fire, right? It'll, it'll bubble up a little bit, but it's not going to be terrible. But that fire is kind of growing under the surface a little bit. And, and you know, as, as athletes keep going and keep moving forward, there inevitably will be an instance where there is just gas dumped red right on that fire, and all of a sudden it just you know blows up. And so we work a lot with them in terms of, let's take some time to process what you go through. And it wasn't until I started working on all of this and in, in my own journey that, yeah, winds can be just as um, detrimental. As 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 bad performances, because you get stuck in this like city on a hill kind of experience. And if if your next performance and everything leading up to it doesn't go that specific way, then you get kind of caught in this cycle of it has to be this way. Oh my gosh, I didn't I, I ate something different today, or or I wore a different suit, or these aren't the right goggles, right? You kind of get into your head about what that experience could be like. So we work with them to fully process what they experience. And you said something before about kind of the neutrality of thinking, right? And it, and it brought me back to Trevor Malwad and the book, It Takes What It Takes, if you're familiar with it. And his kind of proponent of, one, if you want something big, you have no choice but to put in the work in order to get there. And this idea of neutrality. And he worked a lot with football players. And the way that I kind of interpreted his work, particularly in a sport like football, where you have a play, the play goes, and you either did what you were supposed to do or you didn't, right? The play went or it didn't. And so every time you step up to the line of scrimmage, you've got to be able to maintain neutrality about what you just experienced or what you did in order to make the play go or not go. And so being able to kind of keep that neutral thinking of, Whatever just happened doesn't define me, but I have an opportunity to step up and do it again. and so that's we, we kind of work with that kind of reframing as well as how do you maintain kind of that level thought process versus kind of this up and down in terms of what you're doing because every sport has that right You know football it's play after play, golf it's it's shot after shot, swimming it could be race after race, but you could have hours between races much like track and field or something like that as well. So working with them in terms of how do you process not only what you experience in the moment, but then how do you process it once you're finished?
1: Yeah. Cause the the ups and downs of sport, like the wins and the losses, the failures, the successes, hitting your goal, exceeding your goal, not making your goal, all that's gonna continue. Yeah. And the only thing that we have control over is are we gonna take the middle road? you know, and experience all that and feel all of it. You know, you feel angry. There's nothing wrong with feeling angry. You feel disappointed. There's nothing wrong with feeling disappointed. You can meditate even if you have negative thoughts, like none of that stuff needs to go away. But number one, awareness. And then number two, you through awareness, you start to get a little more space. You start to get a little more power to say, Whoo, yeah, I don't think I want to continue to think that way or act that way. And over time, over time, and, and, as impatient as we are as a human race, like athletes do have a patience about them because they know it takes a long time, especially in swimming, right? Like I work with a, um, a 16 year old who's a swimmer and we're talking about like a second, like she, you know, she's trying to like to make a cut. It's like less than two seconds or something like that. And how big that is and how much time <laughs> that mm-hmm. takes. Um, So yeah, I love that. Like that neutrality. I mean, I I think that that is a superpower. We've talked about that many times. What do you think in the mindset realm is the greatest quality or, and I know there's a whole bunch of them, but what's the first that comes to mind is like, what is like a secret weapon for an athlete?
0: Oh my gosh, that's a great question. In terms of mindset, that it can be changed you know, just the awareness, you know, oftentimes whether you're an athlete or, you know, not right. We we believe we tend to believe everything our mind thinks. Right. And that there that you you there is an opportunity to actually change the way that your brain operates and how the thoughts one come into your mind, how they're processed through your mind and the emotions that those lead to. So I I I think the greatest secret weapon is that it can be changed. It can, it can evolve. And, and depending on how hard you work or want to work, it can be changed fairly quickly.
2: Is there a, is there an, uh, an experience you can share a success, a success story or something that maybe you've seen just like open your eyes to say like, I'm doing what I'm exactly what I'm supposed to do. And I'm shifting and changing people's or athletes perspectives on what they can achieve.
0: Well, I, um, one of my clients, I, I, I she texted me the other day. I, I I don't know what I was doing or whatever, but she texted me and said, Oh my gosh, Lauren, this meet is going so well. I am swimming my best times and I feel absolutely amazing. And it was just a moment of, man, I, I I can't hear those kinds of messages enough and and certainly it's it's more about her finding the peace and the calm and the belief in herself because prior to this meet it was all about, well, what if I don't go the times that I want to go? you know, she's she's a senior in high school and so she she wants to go into college and compete in college. And so she's in this precarious position of, I'm closing out one chapter that's really meaningful for me as a high school athlete and as a club athlete, but I'm also simultaneously trying to create my path in this new chapter when it comes to college. And so oftentimes we talk a lot about kind of her being stuck in both worlds or having, I shouldn't say stuck by having one foot in one world, one foot in the other. And, you know, she's, she's had a lot of anxiety. Well, what if I don't go the times that I want to go and therefore The team that I want or the college I want to go to doesn't accept me, right? I mean, these are all what's kind of going on in her mind. But to get that kind of text that says, oh, my gosh, I feel like I'm floating on air and this is one of the best meets that I've ever had. I'm getting every time that I want that I could take that every single day. so
1: if um, if a high school or college or adult athletes listening to this and they're like oh yeah I got it I hit my sex enough moment six months ago um, where do they
0: start <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know from our, our website you can go into performance reimagined.com we're actually starting something new in 2023 so one of the aha moments that we had was you know these are these are busy athletes you know they they've got training regimens that are jam packed they, whether they're a student athlete they've got school they're trying to have a social life you know so on and so forth and we had this epiphany of what could it look like if we if we fit mental training into their day minutes a day so we we've, we've created what we're calling 30 day challenges that are all on different um, topics and we're actually starting with the inner opponent So we're calling it the 30 Days to Tackle Your Inner Opponent. And for less than 15 minutes a day, you can work on managing, one, acknowledging the inner opponent, two, figuring out its message, and three, how to manage it so that not only does it work for you when you're ready to perform, but you can also work on managing when you're not under the stress of wanting to perform and how you do that on on a daily, on the daily basis. Mm -hmm. So... Um, that can all be found. All that information can be found on our website at performancereimagine dot com. But from a more general space, where do you start? and you, you know I've you know this sucks enough is to give yourself grace and that every athlete mm-hmm. goes through this. Whether you're a student athlete, an adult athlete, heck, every human goes through this moment and you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're not alone.
1: In fact, I think, we're more similar than we are different you know yes. we may look different we have different moms and dads and different sports but um boy the essence of what we're traversing and as coaches i think it's so important to you know be vulnerable and and for sure be doing doing the work ourselves um do you have a daily practice that you do you know your mom your business owner your coach you're coaching people you're coaching yourself um Do you have a a morning practice or something that's just a non-negotiable for you each day?
0: Yes. So every morning I wake up and I journal and I have a a journal that prompts me. And so rather than uh, go in order of how the book is designed, I just open up randomly to a page and allow the universe to ask me the question that it wants to ask me so that I can get out what uh, is on my mind and 90 literally 99.9 percent of the time it's a question that's been on my mind or somewhat related to what i'm thinking about so that's very helpful uh and then once i do that i meditate anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes uh that is non-negotiable for me i do not look at my phone i do not look at email anything other until i've done those two things um, and then for me, it can happen at any moment of the day, preferably sometime before lunch, uh, but I have to have a workout. Some mm-hmm. kind of, I have to move, I have to, you know, whether it's, I prefer cardio just because I love to, you know, my heart rate to be up and almost pumping out of my body. Uh, but as I get older, um, finding appreciation for more strength training as well.
2: Mm-hmm. What's, uh? I know we want to wrap this up, but what's your relationship with swimming now? Do you swim? Your- uh,
0: I do not do it. <laughs> only because of time constraints you know with my kids both my kids are athletes and so you know getting them to where they need to go um and i don't like to swim alone it's very hard (laughs) i'm so used to swimming with other people and you know feeding off of their energy it's 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 challenging to go there by yourself and you know i swim 100 and it's like oh okay i'm done (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, yeah and one final question you just sparked something in me so you're the mom of athletes and perhaps maybe you've seen them go down a road that you're like oh wait let me just jump right into the middle of that and make sure you don't go down that road how do you as a mom allow them to find their way and have their own
0: experience yeah that is a a (laughs) daily battle for me uh, in full transparency I have come to uh, this is this is a very raw moment. I have come my I have an internal drive that my husband jokes about my mother jokes about they're like you have drive for probably 20 people and my children do not have that same drive or they haven't yet developed it in the same way and so it truly is really hard for me not to be the what oh, if you just and you can can you just if you had if you and so I have to, in those moments when I feel that coming up out of me, I say, "Hey, boys, can you just give me a Just a quick second, I just gotta I, I gotta go take care of something and I walk away and separate myself from the situation. It is very hard for me and, and there's so much empathy for former athletes who are now parents who are raising athletes and, and finding that separation. From it, um, because it is very, very challenging at times. But I've come to the conclusion I will, after every game that my sons have or 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 race or whatever, I absolutely love watching you compete, and that is all I say.
1: I love it. I love it. We absolutely cannot can uh, agree with that too it's there's a lot of like does not compute like this just does not compute so, in my brain like why wouldn't you just like why
2: wouldn't yeah just
1: like all the time be like inspired to be better and drive yes. and ah! <laughs> and so and so I turn that on myself and and there's so much that I get to mm-hmm. learn from that mm-hmm. you know yeah. and compassion and empathy and patience and but this tool that you just used of like I'll be back in a minute you know that's that's the relationship savor because it's not them you're the one that's you're the one that's being triggered and so you take a break and you tend to your tend to your trigger
2: right because they're fine i mean if you're not there watching them they're fine i mean they're just yeah. it's going to happen anyway you inserted yeah. yourself there and it's like oh man i've got all my stuff to work on it's like turning that yeah. inside but um i love those moments i love that like so good so much growth yeah. there so
0: good yeah. because i i remind myself this is your story not theirs you're mm-hmm. you're trying to write their story and that's not
2: your job to do, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. Even if even if it's like, oh, but the story but, is but like it just... it's way, it's really it's like the best one. I know. Well, ah. uh, awesome. <laughs> I was doing some research, listening to podcasts, and I was like, oh, I resonate with this woman so much. Um, just the competitive nature and the drive, and I was like, oh, I can't wait to can't wait to dig in. And it was a beautiful conversation. So appreciate everything you shared. Um, and we'll put links to everything in the. Um, in the show notes to this episode. Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: Yes, thank you so much for having me and your energy and you know it's been a, a true pleasure. So you know, kudos to you guys and being able to to put something like this in this beautiful space together. So very appreciative of that. Thank, thank you. you.